What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Inspired Love program is now open for enrollment. If you've wanted to work with me in 2023, this is your opportunity, and you can apply now by going to inspiredloveprogram.com. When you go to that page, you'll have the opportunity to look over some information about the program. You can send in your application if you're ready to apply. And once your application is approved, you'll be able to book a discovery call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. I'm very excited about what we're gonna be doing in the program this year, and I want you to be there. So if you feel like this is the thing for you, go apply now, and we cannot wait to meet you on your discovery call. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Very excited to be here with you today. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the most important decision you can ever make or the most important decision you will ever make, the most important decision of your whole life. And uh, I'm just going to give some spoilers right now. It's not the person you marry. It's not the job you choose. It's not your morning routine. These are not the most important decisions you will ever make. But I am going to talk about what is. And I want to share um, a little bit. I was, I was thinking as I was preparing today's session, thinking about what I wanted to speak about and, and how I wanted to set this up. I was thinking of a, a particular moment in my life. I was probably 24 years old or something like that at the time, 24, 23, something like that. And I remember, um, some of you remember, I, I shared the story last week where I was going, uh, I was involved with this married woman. Some of you maybe heard me share the story before. It was a big part of my awakening journey, right? It was was this relationship and everything I learned from it. But I remember this was shortly after she she basically like ghosted me. I mean, she didn't completely ghost me. We ended up talking again, but you know, she basically called me one day and she's like, "We can't do this anymore. Goodbye." And just and that was it. And I remember like just trying to talk to her about it and she wasn't really available to talk. And just being so like, I mean, this experience really crushed me. It really crushed me when this happened. And I remember I was on the phone with uh, a woman who was coaching me at the time. Her name was Leah Lamb. Actually, now she's she's passed since then. Um, but her name was Leah Lamb. She's an amazing woman, amazing coach. I really, uh, she made a big difference for me while I was working with her. But I remember shortly after uh, this woman just basically cut things off with me and disappeared. And I was feeling devastated by this. I was just feeling so unworthy, so lost, so heartbroken. So, you know, all the feelings, I was having them. And I remember being on the phone with Leah Lamb, who was my coach at the time, and just asking her, like, why wouldn't she take me seriously? And I, I was just, I was so hung up on this idea of like, why wouldn't she take me seriously? And I remember what Leah said to me is she said, well, she's only a reflection of you. And she's not taking you seriously because you don't take yourself seriously. And when I heard that, I mean, it, it hit and it landed. And I was like, oof, ow. But, but I really let it in what she was saying to me. And, I, and she was absolutely right. You know, and not only... Not only did this woman not take me seriously because I didn't take myself seriously, that was a part of it, but because I didn't take myself seriously, I was also seeking out relationships with people in which I couldn't be taken seriously. 
Those of you who listened to last week's episode, I mean, you might remember me sharing the story about this person where she was married, she had a family, she had a husband, she had kids. Like she had too much going on to ever be able to take me seriously. But because of who I believed I was, and because of the level of seriousness that I gave my own life, and the level of seriousness that I was giving myself, I was seeking out relationships with people in which I couldn't be taken seriously. Like it was, it was literally impossible for that. And so I see question, how did you change that? And, and so that's what I'm going to get into today. When I talk about the most important decision you'll ever make. And the most important decision you'll ever make, simply put, is I'm going to believe it's, or I'm going to say it's, you decide who you are. You decide who you are. And you let your entire life come out of that decision. And now most of us have never really decided who we are in our life. Most of us have never really sat down and made a conscious decision about who we are, the kind of person we are, the kind of person, the the kind of life that we're choosing to live, and allowed our entire life to come out of that decision. Most of us have been defined a long time ago, and we've been being defined since the time we were little, and we're still defined now in our lives by our past, by our relationships, by the level of attention we get from the people we like or not, by our parents, by our peers. And basically what's happened for all of us to a degree, some of us more than others, But what's happening for all of us is life itself and our relationships and our experiences in life are defining us. They're telling us who we are. And we are living into the definitions that we receive from life and from other people rather than living into the definition that we've given ourselves. In the Inspired Love program, when we start the program every time, and as many of you know, I'm currently enrolling for the program. Actually, I just want to, I want to put this out there while we're talking about it is we have actually starting tomorrow, a 10 day countdown, and then we're going to close off enrollment for the program. So those of you who have been sitting around waiting, thinking, mulling it over, it's time to get clear about if you're going to be joining us or not, because tomorrow begins a 10 day countdown. Then we're closing off enrollment and we're going to move forward with the program. So it's really time for those of you who are sitting and thinking about this to get clear about what you're going to do and either get in or not because we're going to be moving forward. Um, But that being said, the, the Inspired Love program, when we first start the program every time, there's something I say to all the students every time we begin. And I say this program is a 12 week exploration into the most important person on the planet. And that person is you. So it's a 12-week exploration into the most important person on the planet, and that person is you. And most people, like, and, and all of you who are listening right now, whether you're live with me right now, whether you're listening on the podcast later on, but all of you who are with me right now, I want you to just consider that for a moment. Are you the most important person in the world? See, some of you, and I say this lovingly, but some of you have too much shame and too much guilt to ever consider yourself to be the most important person on the planet. And some of you say, oh, well, there are so many people who are more important than me. And and what about my kids? Well, my kids are the most important. Well, see, that's a big one for any mothers out there or even fathers. Like, I, I want you to consider this. You say, oh, my kids are the most important. I live for my kids. I do everything for my kids. Well, who are your kids without you? Your kids would literally die without you. Like, you are the only thing 
keeping your kids alive, keeping them taken care of, giving them the impressions that they're going to grow into adulthood with. And if you don't carry yourself as though you are vitally important, what are the subconscious messages that your kids are picking up on? Well, if they're not having a living example of a parent who is living their life as though their life is vitally important, as though what they do and how they live their life is very important and it matters a lot, then what the subconscious message that your children are receiving is that their life is not that important and that their life is not something that should be given the utmost importance, the utmost attention. And the reason I say in the beginning of the program is that you're the most important person in the world is because... You are, and I am, and we all are, and each of us within our own lives, when I talk about the most important decision you'll ever make, well, to start with, the most important decision you'll ever make is that you are the most important person in the world. Or at a minimum, and there's nothing wrong with saying you're the most important person in the world, but at a minimum, you are just as important as everyone else that there is not a single person on this planet that has even a degree more importance than you do. And that it is actually vitally important. It is, it is so important that you make the most of yourself because that is the only way that the world can improve as a whole is by each of us making that decision for ourselves. And when I say the world, I also mean your world. I mean the quality of relationships you have. I mean the, the potential to find the kind of partner you want to have. The potential if you have children or if you want children. The quality of life that they're going to have and what you pass on to them. If you have a, a job or you have responsibilities in the world. The quality that you bring to your job, your responsibilities, the people you work with, the people who depend on you. You see, the only way any aspect of your life can improve is by you defining your life and yourself as vitally important. It is vitally, vitally important that you make the most of yourself. That you make the most of your life. There's a, a book I read. I've shared about this on here. The book is called Seth Speaks. It might be over here somewhere. Maybe not. I don't know. But, but the, the book is called Seth Speaks. And in the book, he says that your life is your most intimate work of art. And I know I've spoken about this on here before. But really us honoring ourselves and honoring our life in that way, that, that it is like our life is our most intimate work of art. And we each have a responsibility when we come into this world, when we take on this body, when we choose this life, we each have a responsibility to make a work of art of it. And the relationship that you're seeking, I know the majority of people who are going to hear this message, those of you who are with me live right now, many of you are single or in a situationship type thing or in a, in a relationship that you're struggling in and you're trying to figure out how do I make it better? How do I get it on track? And, and it, it all starts with recognizing that that relationship you want, whether you're single and you're looking for the right partner, whether you're in some kind of awkward situationship and you're trying to figure it out, maybe you've been with someone for a long time and, and it's not what you want in that relationship and you're trying to figure out how do I get this relationship on track for what I want. Well, all of that, all of it, any way it looks for you, it's going to come out of this choice to have your life be a work of art. You see, love, the relationship you're seeking is going to be a reflection of that choice. So 
Going back to the topic, the most important decision you've ever made or you will ever make. And I want to take you back to that time when I was, again, 24, 23, 25 years old, something like that. And I was on this call with this coach of mine. And she told me the reason this woman isn't taking you seriously is because you're not taking yourself seriously. And she can only reflect to you what you're bringing to the table. And I really let that hit. I really let that land. I didn't, I wasn't like, I take myself seriously. I don't know what you're talking about. See, that's what some people do when people give you feedback. You respond like that. And you're just not really receiving what's being offered. But I was willing to open my heart to the message and really receive it and really let it in and really see what she was pointing to. And I realized that I had never defined myself. I had never defined myself prior to that moment. And the reason I hadn't defined myself was because I believed in the definitions that life had given me. So, I would, I, so I've shared my story many times on here, and some of you are probably going to hear uh, uh, me repeating things I've already said, but that's okay. But, you know, I grew up in poverty. I grew up with a ma, single mother, 19-year-old teenage single mother who was trying to go to college and raise a family and, and, you know, do all this stuff at the same time. And we had no money. We used to have to, you know, get money from the church and, and we used to have to get food and things from our church because that was like, you know, I mean, my mom worked, she did her best, but she just didn't have enough to make ends meet most of the time. And from the time I was born or, and in my very early childhood, and, and I had a lot of love growing up. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of love. My mom loved me very much, but I grew up within a context in which I had less than other people. I had less opportunity than other people. And so what I interpreted and what I, what I adopted about myself was that I am less than other people. By no fault of my mother, by no fault of anyone's, it was just what I, it was what the world taught me about myself at a very young age. I went to live with my dad when I was 13. I was introduced to drugs and alcohol and violence and, and all kinds of stuff. Right, I was I was in many ways abused by my father, as was his uh, his girlfriend at the time, and and everybody who was in that house. Right, so so coming from what I learned from my mother and the poverty we grew up in, coming from the abuse and the trauma that I experienced from my father, my first girlfriend when I was sixteen years old cheated on me with a mutual friend of ours, then blindsided me and broke up with me, and then two weeks later I found out the truth about all of it. And I, and I let that teach me about myself. I became heavily addicted to drugs. I ended up in jail when I was 18 years old. I spent two years in jail. Now I, I got out of jail. I tried to put my life together. But now in the moment that I was having this conversation with this coach at 24 years old, just a few years out of jail, barely having two pennies to rub together, barely keeping a roof over my head, just trying to figure my life out, trying to get coaching, trying to make myself better, trying to have relationships that work. And, and I was doing all of this with an identity that I was less than other people, that I was traumatized, that I was unworthy of love because the first woman or girl I ever loved cheated on me and just dropped me like a hot potato when she was done with me, right? So this was, this was what 
I had been taught about myself by life. And so in that moment that I was having this conversation and this coach tells me that this woman doesn't take you seriously because you don't take yourself seriously. And I really let the gravity of that land. And I was really willing to look at how I had allowed life to define me and who I believed I was, what I believed I was worth, what I believed was available to me, how attractive I thought I was, how valuable I thought I was in, in the dating world, and all of this. And it, it landed for me. And so in that, I would say that moment or sh shortly after around that time, I started defining myself. And when I talk about defining myself, I defined the quality of relationship I wanted to have. And I, I started to recognize myself as someone who was worthy of the quality of relationship I desired. And historically speaking, prior to this time, I had always viewed relationships through a perspective of who I thought I could get, who I thought I could get. You see, I wasn't, I wasn't looking at my life in terms of like, of all the people in the world, who would my most ideal partner be and who would I need to be? to show up in a way where someone like that would be attracted to me, right? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't viewing it in that way, but I was viewing it from this historical identity of everything I had been taught, of all the, all the ways the world had defined me throughout my life, through my poverty, through my trauma, through my crimes, through all this stuff. And and I was looking out at life, looking out at the world, looking at relationships, looking at women. And I was going, who do I think I could get? Maybe because I had an in with someone or maybe because I thought, well, you know, and I'm just going to be brutally honest here. And I know this isn't pretty, but I know a lot of you have these same thoughts too. Is, well, she's attractive, but she's not so attractive that she's out of my league. She's just kind of the right borderline attractive that I could maybe still get her, but she wouldn't be so attractive that she wouldn't want anything to do with me. Like these were my thoughts at that time. This was how I viewed relationships. This was how, when I was looking for the potential that I thought I could have in my life, this was how I was framing it for myself. And you've got to understand that the reason I was doing this and the reason those of you who do this, the reason you do it is because based on how you've been defined by the world and by life, based on your past, based on your mistakes, based on if you've been ghosted or you've been cheated on or you've been disappointed or you've been let down or you liked someone and they didn't like you back or maybe that happened a bunch of times, but you know, however you want to frame it, the reason we view potential and relationship in this way is because we're coming from this limited idea of who we believe we are. 
and thinking that I'm really not anything special. I'm really not worth that much. I'm really not that much of a catch. People wouldn't really be that lucky to be with me. And coming from that place, I'm going to try to size people up and see who I think would want me based on all of that. And so in that moment, going back to this conversation I had with this coach, in that moment, and, and it maybe wasn't just that moment, maybe it was several moments following that conversation. And, you know, to be honest with you, it was a process that maybe went on for quite a while after that conversation. But, th- but that conversation definitely sparked something in me. And I started defining relationship through not who do I think I could get, but what's the kind of relationship I really want to have? What's the kind of partner I really want to be with? And believing believing that I could have that no matter what. Defining myself as someone who is worthy of that. And why am I worthy of that? Not because this person said so or that person said so or my life experience has shown me so, but because I say so. Going back to the most important decision you'll ever make, the decision to define yourself the decision to say who you are, what you're worth, what you're capable of, what you deserve, what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to not accept, and not based on how life has defined you, how your past experience has defined you, who thought you were attractive and who didn't, who wanted you and who didn't, not like that, but coming from inside of you. Now, I want, you to, I want you to really hear what I'm saying right now, because if you start with that and you start living your life in accordance with that in every way. Now, I want to be clear. I didn't just decide that and poof, everything turned into magic. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many workshops and seminars I've done. I I can't tell you how many trainings I've done, how many coaches I've worked with. I I mean, I've been in therapy. Like, I I mean, I could go on and on for days about all the work I've done. And and this does require work and there are lots of different methods of work. And, you know, there's there's not one way up to the mountaintop. There are many ways up to the mountaintop and you can find the ways that resonate for you. But it began with that decision. That decision to even believe that I was worthy enough to even invest in myself to do the work that needed to be done. That's a big one. See, some of you look at programs like Inspired Love and you say, oh, I don't have the money for that. Well, that's not really true. Most of you could figure it out if you really wanted to. Some of you maybe not, but most of you could. But what happens is you look at the cost of it and you can't fathom investing that much in yourself. And that's a worthiness issue. You say, oh, well, I could spend that money on this. I could spend that money on that. I could spend it on, I could do this. I could do that. It could go towards all these different things. And all those things are more important than me. And I want you to really hear what I'm saying right now. Because that is the (laughs) anti-definition. Right. That is when you look around and you say, well, all these things are so much more important than me. Like you are not defining yourself in a worthy way. 
And these are the kinds of conversations that I had to get really honest with myself about to have the life I have today, to have the relationship I have today. I had to really start questioning every idea from my past, every definition from my past that was not in alignment with the future that I wanted to have. And I had to stop settling for that crap. I had to stop being okay with that crap telling me who I was and what was available to me in life and what was not. And that is, that is a huge lesson. It's a huge lesson. And so I started defining myself in a new way. I started defining myself by the kind of relationship I really wanted to have, by the kind of work I really wanted to do, by the gifts, by recognizing the gifts inside of myself and, and finding ways to express those gifts, finding ways to share those gifts, by finding the joy inside of myself and finding ways to express that joy, finding people to express that joy with. And, you know, I wanna say this is a process. This is a process. So as I said earlier, I've done a lot of work. I've worked with a lot of coaches. I've done a lot of programs. I continue to. I was sharing last week. I just signed up for a program with Peter Crohn that I'm doing right now. So I continue to do this work. But it, it all begins. It all begins with the decision that you are no longer going to settle for who you've been throughout your life up until this point. And... A, a, a relentlessness in your soul to not accept that crap from yourself anymore. So when you see it show up and you go, oh my God, I could never be with someone like that. Like you've got to stop accepting that from yourself. You've got to start defining yourself as somebody who could have anything, as somebody who could be anything. And even if it's not available to you in this moment, this moment, let me say this, this moment is a reflection of your past because this moment has been made by your past. Okay, so when you look around at your life right now and you look at where you live, you look at the work you do, you look at the relationships you have, you look at, oh, I just got ghosted by this person or, oh, this person blew me off or, or you know, you look at all that. All of that was created by your past because all of that is reflective of the identity that came from your past. You see, the majority of people, we live into the definitions that we've been given by life, and then our current life in this moment reflects those definitions. And we've each gotta be strong enough within ourselves to look at a life that reflects the past. And within my heart, identify with a vision of the future. I'll say that again. We've got to be strong enough to look out at a life that reflects our past. And while, while our five senses are giving us information about a world that reflects our past, we've got to be willing to internally identify with a future possibility and define ourselves through that future possibility, even though it hasn't happened yet. 
And I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest reasons you're afraid to do this, most of you, most people, is because you're afraid of being stupid. You're afraid of being the fool who believed and believed and believed and believed and it never happened. You're afraid of being the one who hoped and dreamed and wished and prayed and spent your whole life doing that and it never happened for you. And you, you think that somehow it's more responsible or more reasonable to believe in your limitations. You think that somehow it's more responsible and more reasonable to, to believe what the world has told you about yourself. And you think that to define yourself by something that hasn't happened yet, by a dream or a wish for the future, that you would be foolish. Because you think that the only thing that is real or the only thing that is worthy is what has already happened or what is currently happening. And you view the potential in the future as somehow less real or less worthy than the information that your five senses are giving you or have given you in the past. And this is the biggest hurdle. This, this is the biggest hurdle because, like, I, I want to say this for, for everybody. If you, could, if you could just get into that vision and you could just live from that vision in every way, it's like, let me, let me give an example here, okay? Here's somebody that maybe you're interested in Maybe you like them. Maybe you've been on a few dates or you've been chatting for a while and, and you, you like them and you're interested in them and there's some chemistry, there's some connection and there's some excitement. And you're like, ooh, I would really like this to go somewhere. But then what this person is bringing to the table is not reflective of the relationship you want to have, right? So you've said, well, I want someone who's consistent. I want someone who's committed. I want someone who makes an effort. I want someone who, you know, makes it important to see me and spend time with me. I want someone who sends me good morning and good evening text message. I want someone who, you know, right? So you have this idea of a relationship that you want. And now here's this person and there's some chemistry, there's some connection, there's been some good conversation, there's some excitement there. But there, this person is not reflecting the relationship that you've said you wanted. This person is not bringing the qualities of the relationship that you've said you wanted. And now the process that you're going to go through and what most people do in a situation like this is they say, well, I know they're not really showing up the way I wanted to, but maybe I should just do a little more of this or a little more of that. Or maybe I'll try not responding so much and see what happens. Or maybe I'll try reaching out more and see what happens. Or maybe I'll try talking to him about this or talking to him about that. Or maybe I'll try talking to their friends. Or maybe I'll try talking to my friends. Or maybe I'll try hiring a coach to see how this coach can get me to be the person that they want. And on and on and on and on. Rather than just simply going, you know what? This person's not showing up with the qualities that I'm looking for in someone. And I'm just going to let it go. Now, why do we hang on to things that are not the thing we want? See, most people don't think about why they're doing it. They just think about how can I get it to be what I want it to be. 
Most people don't think about why they're doing what they're doing. But you've got to understand the reason you're doing that, the reason you're hanging on to something that is not what you want is because based on the definitions that life has given you about yourself, you don't believe that what you want is actually possible for you. And you think it's much more safer, much more reasonable, much more responsible to hang on to what is right in front of you because at least this is real. At least this is concrete. And you think that you would be stupid to trade something that is concrete for a dream. And I want to, I want to tell you, and, and as you, as you come to understand who you are on a deeper level, and as you come to really recognize the creative power of your consciousness and, and the, the creative power that you have inside your being, you would realize that the only stupid thing is to not believe in your dreams. To see the information that your five senses are giving you as somehow more real or more, more worthy than a future possibility that you've only imagined. You would see that the only stupid thing is to hold on to this physical evidence instead of trading it in for a dream or a possibility and living into that dream or that possibility, allowing that dream or that possibility to shape you. And the truth is that most of us really just don't believe we are that powerful. Most of us just don't believe we have that kind of creative ability. And let me, let me be fair. Like I didn't really believe it either. And to a degree, I still don't like, it's so funny because like, I mean, I can't tell you how many ways I have proven this in my life. <laughs> I mean, like my wife and I, we, we said we wanted a puppy. I'll share this because it's just hilarious. Like we said, we wanted a puppy. And he's right over here. Some of you meet him. He jumps up on the live sometimes and pokes his head in here, right? But this is just uh, uh, about a year ago. Actually, we got him for Valentine's Day. It's like, you can't make this stuff up, right? So our puppy came for Valentine's Day. He was literally like our Valentine. And, and you know, we're all about love, me and my wife. And, and this is the work we do. And we're all about love. And like, we got this puppy who came to us on Valentine's Day. Like, you can't make this stuff up. But we decided we wanted a puppy. And we're like, okay, we need to reach out to some breeders. We need to decide what kind of puppy we want. So we decided the kind. We found a couple breeders. We reached out. My wife joins this Facebook group. And then all of a sudden, like overnight, overnight, there, we're, we're, we're thinking we're going to need to get on a wait list. It's going to be like six months. We're going to have to wait for the litter to be born. You know, we're going to, and, and then overnight, Somebody says, hey, I have this last puppy. He's the only one left looking for a home. We get on the phone with this woman. She's like, she's like, listen, I pray for all my puppies. I make sure they find the right homes. I don't just give them to anybody. I've got to make sure you're the right owner. And we're like, oh, this woman is really speaking our language here. And then she does like a two-hour interview with my wife to make sure she's the right owner for this puppy. She's like, okay, you can have him, but you've got to come get him this weekend. So like the reason I'm sharing the story is because I, I want you to recognize this is how your creative ability works. When you're in the flow, when there's no resistance, when you're not doubting the possibility, when you believe that you're worthy, when you believe you can have it, there's no resistance there. It's like, boom, things just happen. 
And so we're thinking it's going to be six months till we get a puppy. And it's like, no, you get your puppy right now. Just come pick him up this weekend. And that, you know, my life has consistently blown me away with this. And yet I still doubt it sometimes. And, and I know that all of you doubt it. And, and so what I want to say is that it's okay to doubt it. It's okay to have that uncertainty. It's okay to like, it's okay to say, you know, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here. I don't know how it's going to work out. And it's okay to have that fear or that doubt around it. You've just got to be willing to step out of that comfort zone anyway. You've just got to be willing to tell that person who's not showing up in the way that you want your relationship to show up for you. You've just got to be willing to tell them, look, you're not really showing up for me in, in the way I'm looking for. And I just don't really think we have a future together. And I don't really want to take this any further. You've just got to be willing to take that step. And when you're willing to take that step, the universe will prove itself to you. But most of us are not willing to take those steps because we're not defining ourselves as somebody who can have the things we want. We instead have allowed life to define us based on our past experiences. And so going back to the most important decision you'll ever make, which is the topic of today's conversation, and, and the most important decision you'll ever make is to decide who you are. It's to decide who you are. To define yourself based on the vision of your life that you want to have. Rather than defining yourself based on your trauma, based on your suffering, based on your disappointment, based on all the times you've been let down, based on all the times people didn't show up for you. And then you see what we do is we take all of this and we actually build a case against the life that we want to have. And we say, you can't have the life you want to have. And here's all the reasons why. Look how many times you've been cheated. Look how many times you've been ghosted. Look at what your parents did to you. Look at all the trauma you've experienced. Look at how ugly you are. We, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we find everything wrong with us. And we say, look at how ugly you are. How could anybody want to be with you? We, we lament ourselves for the things wrong that we've said and the mistakes we've made and the, the sexual things that we're ashamed of. And we, and we collect all this evidence against ourselves and we say, who could ever want you? Because look at all of this. Look at what's happened to you. Look at your letdowns. Look at your disappointment. Look at your pain. Look at your shame. Look at how unworthy you were in this situation. Look at how unworthy you were in that situation. And then we define ourselves by these things. And we wonder why we don't have the life we want. We wonder why we can't find love. This is why. This is why. It's because you've defined yourself as someone who can't have that. And, and here's, here's the most insidious thing about it. And a lot of you, this is going to land for you when I say it. You've defined yourself as someone who can't have it. And then what's going to happen is it's going to show up in front of you. You're going to have the opportunity for it, whether it's love and companionship, whether it's your dream job, and you are going to sabotage that opportunity because it doesn't line up with who you believe you are. 
And I know that's a tough one to swallow, but I'll bet if you're honest, those of you who are listening right now, whether you're with me live, whether you're listening on the podcast, I'll bet if you're honest, you can look at times in your life when you've done that. You know, I remember, I'll, I'll share this story because there's there was this girl in high school and she was like, from, from the moment I saw her in the hallway, she was like my dream girl. I was like, I was like, oh man, like that is, that is everything. And again, I didn't know her. This is my stupid high school brain talking, right? But just, you know, in my stupid high school brain, of course, she couldn't have really been my dream girl because I never even met her. I didn't know anything about her, but I saw her in the hallway and I was like, oh my God, that's my dream girl, right? And then, and then it worked out. We ended up being in the same group of friends and she and I ended up being pretty close friends. But she had a boyfriend, I had a girlfriend, and, and we just, we never really crossed that line. And then later, we ended up both being single, but I never made a move with her because I just, I had her up on this pedestal and I just didn't even believe that I could ever have her. And, and so I never even made a move. Now, looking back, I go, oh my God, she was totally into me. We had this great friendship. We had great conversations. She was always inviting me to like get closer to her and stuff, but I couldn't even see it because I was defined by my drug addiction. I was defined by my trauma and I, I was living with my dad at the time and I was going through a lot of trauma and I was defined by the trauma I was going through with my dad. And so here's, here's this, this girl in high school. I saw her in the hallway. I go, oh my God, here's a dream. Here's my dream girl. Then the universe brings her into my life, makes us close friends. She even shows very clear interest in me and I just couldn't receive it because of who I believed I was. Then a couple years later, after I'd gotten out of jail, I decided for myself, I'm going to go for it. And I looked her up on Facebook and I reached out to her and I sent her a message and she never responded. And I, I think back to that message sometimes. And I think about what I said in that message. And it was the most pathetic, shameful message that I had probably ever sent anyone. It was like, I just got out of jail and I don't have a lot going on, but I'd really like to see you if you're interested. It was just like, I communicated no value in that message. Like, no wonder she didn't respond. Who Nobody would have. But you see, I didn't, I didn't see that she wasn't responding because of how I was showing up. In my view, I saw that she wasn't responding because of how, because of what I believed I was worth fundamentally. Because when we were younger and I knew her in high school, and I was going through all that trauma with my dad, and I had already defined myself as somebody who wasn't worthy of someone like that. And then I was, I was showing up in, in, in my adult life years later when I wanted to reach out to her. I was showing up in that same relationship. Right. I was showing up as though I was still that traumatized high school kid and she was still this awesome girl that I could never have a relationship with. 
And so even though years had passed, we had been through experiences, even though I actually did have a lot to offer, even though I was, you know, still getting my life together and stuff, I was very intelligent. I was connected. I was a good person to be around. You know, I did have a lot to offer, but I didn't communicate what I had to offer because I was full of shame, because I was still relating in the identity that the world had given me. And then when she didn't want to talk to me, I just collected that as evidence. And I said, oh, she doesn't want to talk to me. That shows what I'm worth. And this is what we do. And we think that we have no opportunity, but no, you have plenty of opportunity. You're just not able to seize the opportunity because your view of yourself and what you believe you're worth doesn't allow for you to seize the opportunity. You see, I, I could have sent her a message. I, I saw somebody leave in the comments. They said, they said, oh, you were, you were honest. You, you know, well, yeah, I was honest, but I was honest about all the wrong things. I was honest about how lame I was. I wasn't honest about how awesome I was, right? You see, if I, if I could go back and do it all over again, and look, I have no regrets. I, I don't believe she was the one for me at all. I, I totally believe my wife was the one for me. But if I could go back and resend that message, I could have said, hey, you know, it's been a long time. And I just know we always had this awesome connection in high school. I always had so much fun being around you. I always thought you were awesome. And, you know, like I'm doing some cool things with my life right now. This is what I'm doing for work. This is where I'm living. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, I would just love to catch up, share some stories, spend some time together and just see how you're doing. Like I could have totally sent a message like that. And if I had sent a message like that, she probably would have responded instantly and said, I would love to catch up with you. That would be amazing. But you see, I didn't know how to communicate my value at that time. And the reason I didn't know how to communicate my value was because I didn't believe I had any. And I want everyone to let that sink in. The reason you don't know how to communicate your value is because you don't believe you have any. And, and I want to be very clear right now. I believe you have it. I mean, I, I've been doing this work long enough. I've coached hundreds of people. Like, like I, I mean, I've had thousands of people go through my programs. Like, I, I believe in everybody's worthiness. I believe in everyone's amazingness. I used to do, I used to do four-day workshops in person, live trainings, where, where we would see people come in with their shoulders hunched, their heads down, their they're like just feeling defeated by life, feeling like the, the drift beat them up, feeling like all, all this stuff. And then within a matter of four days and us going through these processes together and us doing these somatic releases and, and these people would, same people who couldn't even look you in the eyes on day one would be lighting up the room on the fourth day. They would be dancing. They would be laughing. They would be some of the most connected people in the room. And the thing is, is it is in there for every single human being. But if you've defined yourself as someone who doesn't have that, and you've spent your life living into that definition, then you're not going to think you have it. And when it comes time to reveal the best qualities of you, in relationship with another person, when you meet that hot, sexy person and you're like, oh man, I would really love it if something would work out with this person. You would not be available for that part of yourself 
And therefore, they could never experience it. They could never see it. And so, what I want to say here, I want to speak a little bit about inspired love. I see some people asking some questions. I'm going to take questions uh, in a little bit, so just hang on to your questions. Um, I want to speak a little bit about inspired love because I just want to talk a little bit about what we do in inspired love and and how we go about making this shift. As I said earlier, um, I don't know if I don't know if I said it on the podcast or before I started recording, but uh, we are beginning a ten day countdown tomorrow. So tomorrow we're going to start counting down from February first to February tenth. Uh, these are the last ten days to book your call for inspired love. After that, we're closing down enrollment. And um, we're just going to focus on getting ready for the program, which begins on February 15th. So uh, we're, we're getting down to the wire. As I said earlier, it's, you know, it's your opportunity now if you're ready to, uh, to join. It's your opportunity to book your call, get on a call with us so we can break down the details of the program to you, make sure it's the right thing, and go ahead and get you signed up. Um, but in the program, you know, the program, <clears throat> excuse me, I say the reason the program works is because it focuses on the four dimensions of human experience, body, mind, emotion, and spirit. Okay, so it focuses on all four dimensions of human experience. Now, the reason most advice, dating advice, or even, you know, business advice, or, you know, when people talk about growing your business, growing your love life, growing, you know, an aspect of your life, it's usually very body action focused. It's focused on what you can do. And that's why, you know, all the dating tips are like three secret words that make him think of you and only you, right? It's all the stupid shit that they, that they market to people thinking that there's something you can do to change things in your life. Now, I want to be clear. There are things you can do to change things in your life, but you don't figure out what those things are by just trying to do more. You figure out what those things are by actually getting out of your body focus, connecting to spirit, developing a greater perspective of mind, releasing emotional baggage. And then what happens is your, your system, your mind-body complex starts to operate as a clear channel for spirit. And spirit, I, I know that might sound really esoteric, but it's not really that esoteric. It's just your spirit is the essence of you. It's the greatest parts of who you are. You see, when I was talking about those four-day trainings I used to do, where people would have these incredible breakthroughs and, and just you know completely transform in a matter of four days. Well, the reason that was happening is because all we were doing was clearing up the stories that they've been telling themselves about how fucked up they are and how much they suck for years and releasing the emotional baggage that makes them constantly feel weighed down, feel tired, feel lethargic, feel exhausted, feel defeated, feel disappointed, feel regretful, feel shameful, feel unworthy, right? This is all the emotional baggage. But if we can simply reframe the internal narrative about who we are, and we can release the emotional baggage that makes us feel depressed and low, then our system, our body-mind complex, starts to operate as a clear channel for spirit and this is where all the greatest parts of who we are can come through. 
right? So this is where we feel energized. We feel abundant. We feel like possibility, like anything could happen. We feel excited and inspired and passionate. That's actually, this actually, this is why the program is called Inspired Love. The word inspired means in spirit, right? This program is about creating love through spirit, through the authentic self, through the, the pure essence of who you are, not your beliefs about who you are, not your stories about who you are, not your limited identity, the way the world has defined you based on your past. But it's allowing your life and love to be created through the pure essence of who you are. This is where you bring through your most attractive qualities. This is where you bring through your joy, your light, your passion, your enthusiasm. And this is what the Inspired Love Program is about. So what do we do in the program? I know everybody wants to know, what do we do in the program? How does it work? So there are three phases of the program. The first one is awareness. The second one is forgiveness. And the third one is aliveness. Awareness, forgiveness, and aliveness. These are the three phases of the program. And we're going to go through these phases over a 12-week period. Okay, awareness. Awareness is really about understanding how you have defined yourself based on your past. So we're going to understand what is your ego, right? What is your ego? How has your ego evolved? Your ego, those of you who follow the podcast or you've been listening to me speak for a while, your ego is the primitive survival part of you. It's, it's body identified. It only sees her, it only sees life in terms of three dimensional experience. It looks at everything through pure cause and effect reaction. And, and it's, it's only, its only goal is survival. It keeps you in a very high beta brain state. Those of you who were with me a few weeks ago, I was talking about the brain waves. I haven't actually uploaded that podcast yet. So those of you who are joining on the podcast, that one's going to be coming in the future. But I was talking about brain waves and brain states. It keeps you in a high beta brain state, which is a survival brain state. It creates tension, anxiety, stress, and depression in your body. And, and it, it, it makes you always on guard. It makes you suspicious. I always say the, the ego's emotional spectrum ranges from suspiciousness at best to viciousness at worst. So the ego is the primitive part of you that is completely body-focused, completely physical world-focused. It has no awareness of any spiritual aspect, any authentic aspect of yourself. And it is, it is based in survival, and it is trying to control and manipulate events to survive. And most of you, I'm just going to say this, and I say this because I, I, I coach people, and, and it's the truth with everyone who comes to work with me, is the majority of people, and you included, and largely me included, although I've done a lot of work on this over the years, we are completely ego-dominated. And so there's not a huge spiritual essence or authentic essence in our life. It's Our life is a survival game of trying to control and manipulate circumstances to get what we want and un living under the constant fear that we're either not going to get what we want or we're going to lose what we have. And most of us are completely ego-dominated in this way. So the first phase of the program is really about understanding how the ego works, understanding the identity that the ego has created for you, understanding how you've been defined by your past, understanding the wounded archetypes of your parents that we've been raised with and, and that have, have been... Uh, handed down to us, understanding your attachment patterns and how you attach in relationships based on this identity, and understanding how all of this 
has created emotional baggage that you're holding in your body. So actually creating awareness around the tension, the tightness, the brain states that are being created in your body as a result of all of this. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing, uh, forgiveness, phase two of the program, is about release. It's about letting go. This is where we, uh, we do some somatic process around guilt and shame. Guilt and shame, I always say, and we explore this in detail in the program, but guilt and shame are, are like basically the lowest vibrational states of a human being. And the thing, one of the biggest things that present, prevents us from ascending to higher vibrational states like love and joy, which if you, if you want to create a loving relationship, the way to do that is really to have a predominant state of acceptance, love, and joy. And from that predominant state of acceptance, love, and joy, relationships show up for you in a very different way than if you have a predominant state of desire and fear. And this is something we're going to explore in the program. We're going to talk about the desire-fear trap and how that works, how it keeps you in a low vibrational state. We're, we're going to talk about all this. I can't go into all of it today. But what I, what I want to talk about now is, is guilt and shame are the two lowest vibrations. And basically for all of us, we have a, we have a vibrational relationship with, with guilt and shame where it kind of, it's kind of like a, a, a rock tied to your ankle. You could think of it like that, where from the moment we were born and, and we've been, and we've, we were raised, I mean, we've been getting impressions that make us feel guilty and, and very simply put guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is there's something wrong with me. So if you just very simply put, those are the definitions of guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is there is something wrong with me. And we've all been getting impressions basically from the day we were born. And we could even, I've talked about how even from the moment you were taken out of the womb and, and introduced to this cold world and had your life force cut when they cut your umbilical cord, it like already starts to, starts to give you the impression that something is wrong. That's, that's a very traumatic experience. And so guilt and shame are very much at the core of our psyche for most of us. And so we're going to do a somatic release process around guilt and shame. Then we're going to go into breath work. I'm, I'm having a master breath worker come in. Her name is Lori Reyes DeSantis. She's, she's uh, done breath work for over 30 years. I mean, she really is a master. She's amazing. Uh, she was the one who taught me breath work uh, when I first learned it back in the day. Um, back when maybe again, 24, 25 years old was when I met Lori. I started working with her and doing breath work. Um, so she's, she's become a great friend of mine over the years, great friend of my wife. And she's coming in. She's going to lead us through a breath work process where we're actually going to go through a cathartic breath of breathing out the, the stuff that is stuck in the body. And, you know, it, it was interesting. I actually learned this from Lori. She taught me this, is that breath is the way we detox more than anything else, more than our other methods of elimination, more than our sweat. Breath is the primary way that we detox things from our system. Now, what Lori's going to do is she's going to lead us through an elevated breath where it's like a power breath and, and she'll, she'll teach us how to do it. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it, but, but what we're going to do is it's, it's kind of right in the middle of the program, in the middle of the forgiveness phase of the program, we go into this breath. Lori's going to guide us through it. 
And we're actually going to do a cathartic release of everything that's trapped in the body. Now, after that, we go into inner child healing. We learn how to inner child dialogue. We learn how to recognize the voice of our inner child, which is basically the sensitive, primitive voice inside of us. It's like, it's like the voice of our deepest needs, our needs for love, our, our need to be held our need to be validated, our, our need to be told that we're enough. And, and the inner child is like the voice of our deepest needs. And it's been covered up by our shame and our guilt. Basically, when we started receiving the messages of shame and guilt, the inner child was suppressed because the, the message was, that's not important. It's like when you're crying and you're, you're begging your mother for attention and your mother says, shut up and go to your room, right? Well, basically what's happening is your inner child is being suppressed. And so what we're, what we're being told in, in, in those kinds of situations, and that's a very mild one. I mean, if you went through any kind of sexual or physical or, or deep emotional abuse, like this happened in a very deep way for you, is that the most sensitive, vulnerable parts of yourself were told that they were not worthy and they were not good enough. And you were forced to kind of put them away for survival. So the most authentic parts of you recede into the background, the ego recedes into the foreground, and the survival self takes over. And so um, the inner child dialogue is about really understanding, uh, learning to listen to this voice of your inner child, learning to receive its needs and learning to validate those needs. This process of inner child dialoguing is how you get through every painful experience in dating. I'll just say that. Um, this is what you do whenever you are ghosted, let down, disappointed, ignored, forgotten, when you're waiting on someone to respond to a text. Like this inner child dialogue is the best way to self-soothe in dating and really getting, getting in touch. Because if you got to understand when you're going through those disappointing experiences and those, those, uh, those rejections, those being ghosted, whatever it is, when you're going through those disappointing experiences, what's happening is you're having a need that's not being met. So if, if you're waiting on this person to text you and you know, you've been waiting for two days and they're not texting and your anxiety is getting high and you're, and you're going, do they not like me? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Why, you know, why don't they want me? And, and all this stuff is happening. Well, what you've got to recognize is there's actually an inner child need there. There's the need for recognition, the need for validation, the need to be important to somebody, the need to be loved. And because your inner child has been so suppressed throughout your life, you then unconsciously project this need onto people that you're dating. And then the people that you're dating are now responsible for fulfilling this need. And then when they don't do it, you get upset about it. And that's usually what pushes these people out of your life, right? So this learning how to inner child dialogue, like I'm talking about here, is, uh, is one of the most important ways to self-soothe in dating. Um, so that's, that's one important aspect of it. Now, inner child dialoguing, then we, uh, that's kind of the end of the forgiveness phase of the program. And then we go into, uh, aliveness, which is the third phase of the program. And aliveness is just about bringing it all into your life in a profound and powerful way. It's about living your passion it's about bringing forward your best qualities. It's about having this clear channel so spirit can move through you. Um, we're going to talk about all the stuff in, in, in the third module. We're going to talk about, excuse me, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the dating strategies, what works, what doesn't.
what to do, what not to do, how to communicate, how not to communicate, you know, how to show up as a high value partner. What are the qualities of a high value partner? How do you show up with those qualities? How do you recognize them in another person? Um, you know, we're going to talk about all those kinds of things. Um, we're also going to go into, uh, the, the embodiment of your passion. And I, I always say passion is the great connector. Passion is the thing by following your passion, by recognizing, listening to, and following your passion, you are naturally led to the people, places, and things that are right for you. So we're going to talk about how to recognize your passion, how to follow your passion, even when you're afraid to do so. We're going to go into all the, all the nuances of this. And so what you really have at the end of the day, and I know I, you know, I did the whole breakdown of the program in about 15 minutes. I mean, it's a 12 week program, so there's a lot to cover, but what we're really doing is we're going through recognition and awareness. Recognition, why are things not working for me? I want you to very clearly understand why you are struggling to get the results you want. Then forgiveness, release of everything that's blocking for me, all the blockages of love, all the protections I built up around me, all the manipulations and, and ways that I have kept love out of my life. We're gonna go through a forgiveness process. Forgiveness is releasing all of that. You know, I, I don't, when I'm talking about forgiveness here, I'm not necessarily talking about forgiving someone or forgiving something, although that largely is a part of it. But the forgiveness process is the, the process of releasing the past, releasing the things that are holding me back, releasing the limited identity, releasing the, uh, the unhealthy and unhelpful ways in which I view myself right? That's really what forgiveness is about. I often say forgiveness is to release the past, to love and give as though before it ever happened. I want you to think about that. You know, what if you had never experienced your trauma? What if you had never been rejected or ghosted or let down or disappointed? If you had never had those heartbreaks in high school or in middle school, you know, if you had never, if the world had never taught you that you weren't enough, how do you think you might live your life right now? Forgiveness is getting back to that clean place. It's washing it all away so you can get to that clean, uh, that clean, clear place, right? And then aliveness is just bringing it into your life in a bold and powerful way, being that clear channel for spirit, being that clear channel for authenticity to move through you. And so that's the breakdown of the program. That's what we're going to do. And, and that's, that's really the process. Um, so as I've said a few times already, uh, we do have... We do have uh, 10 days starting tomorrow. We have a 10-day countdown to book your call and enroll in the program. And then we're going to close down enrollment. So I just want to make that very clear. Those of you, I know a lot of you have been reaching out with questions and things. You've been on the fence. Like, I want to do it, but I'm not sure. And I, I just want to say right now, you know, any time in my life, my heart has called me towards something, but I've been unsure about it. And I chose to follow that call. Any time in my life I have done that, it has always paid off amazingly for me. It has always paid off amazingly. So I just want to say that, you know, like I know there are doubts and maybe there are financial doubts. Maybe there are time doubts. Like, I don't know if I can make the commitment or, or I may have to rearrange my schedule or I may have to watch the recordings. I don't know if I can show up for all the live classes, but like, but I'm just going to tell you, like I, I have been in that position in so many times with programs I've joined, with coaches I've wanted to work with, with commitments I've made in my life. And you've really got to find out, you know, like 
Is it coming from the heart? Like that's a big one. Is it coming from the heart? Because the mind says a lot of stuff. Most of what the mind says is not that important. Most of what the mind says is just ego stuff. And the mind is usually the one telling you, no, don't do it because of this. Don't do it because of that. Don't do it. You're going to like the mind is in survival, right? It's ego stuff. And so the mind is always trying to survive situations and it's always afraid of not having enough or of running out or of, or of losing or missing out on something. So the, the mind is, is not really what you want to listen to. What you want to listen to is the heart and the heart is just simply going to tell you yes or no. The heart is just simply going to say, yes, this is right or no, it's not. And I always encourage people when they're trying to make the decision of, you know, to sign up for the program or not to listen to your heart. You know, just really do your best to quiet the mind, get outside of all your busy thoughts and just really listen to the heart and say, you know, is this right for me? Is this, is this the right container for me to step into at this time? And, and from that place, you know, make the decision. So that is, that is that. And, um, I'll, I'll end with that. I'm going to open up for some questions now. So just Jensi, I was so guilty of carrying my trauma knapsack and injured bird identity and self-sabotage some really good opportunities because of that. I haven't taken some chances because I didn't feel deserving. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, amazing insight that you recognize that. And, you know, like it's just, again, like you've got to decide to define yourself. And that's really the message for today is you've got to decide to define yourself. And the world is not going to validate that immediately. You know, the world is going to validate your past. The world is going to validate the way you've been living up until now. And so when you look out of, when you look out at your life, you're just going to see a bunch of shit that reflects your past identity. And the key is to define yourself, live from that new identity and be willing to deal with the rejection that shows up around you because it's like building a muscle. It's like gaining strength. You've got to be able to deal with that resistance. You know, when you, when you lift a, when you lift a weight, there's a certain resistance in that. And as you lift that weight and as you lift that resistance, the muscle strengthens. And then, you know, it's actually, this is actually a great analogy. I'm going to use this. Let's say, it depends on who you are, right? For some of you, this might be a big weight. For some of you, it might be a small one, but, but the, let's say you pick up a 25 pound weight. And you want to curl it like a, a bicep curl. And that's a really heavy weight for you, let's say, right? So that weight is currently reflecting your past. That weight is currently reflecting your past. The fact that a 25 pound weight is heavy for you is a reflection of your past. It's a reflection of the lack of muscle building that you've done up until now. Now, if you were to pick up that weight and you were to lift it say every two or three days, and you were to do that consistently, no matter what, no matter how weak you felt, no matter how much resistance it gave you, no matter how rejected you felt by that weight, if you were just to keep lifting it week after week after week after week, eventually that weight would be easy for you to live, lift. Now, I want you to just think about that. That is a perfect analogy for what I'm talking about. Eventually, your life would transform and that weight would no longer reflect your past. It would reflect your current reality of being strong enough to hold it. Now, of course, by that time, you would be picking up a heavier weight and lifting that one. And then it would be the same process. And, and we do the same thing with our lives, right? 
It's like when you when you get into a relationship, then you're you're moving towards like commitment. And then once you have some commitment established, then you're moving towards like engagement or marriage. And then or maybe you're moving towards living together, right? So it's the same thing. There's always a heavier weight to pick up. But you've got to be the one to define yourself on the inside. And just like lifting that heavy weight, you keep defining yourself in that way. And and as you continue to do that, the world will respond and give you the feedback that reflects your new definition of yourself. So I love that you shared that, Jensi, and, and thank you for dropping that in. Really appreciate that. All right, so I saw some questions come in. I know Stephanie Hoffman had some questions. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, with Stephanie Hoffman's question. Okay, I'm dating a guy who texted me he has melanoma from a plane. Said one step at a time, I've got you. Call me when you can. Then he doesn't call at night to tell me. Asked if he could call me. Says he's tired and going to bed. Why send an alarming text and then when he knows I'm there says nothing? I, I give and give and reassure and get nothing back. Okay. So question is, dating this guy, he tells you he has melanoma. You're like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm here for you if you want to talk about it. He offers no response. And then and you're going like, why the hell reach out with this information and then offer no response when I, when I reassure you? Okay, I'm, I'm going to coach you a little bit on this. And by the way, if you have anyone who has other questions, just go ahead and drop them in the chat. I'm going to get to as many as I can. I have about 20 minutes for questions. So the guy just got diagnosed with cancer, basically. I mean, you know, and hopefully it's not that serious. But, you know, like my wife went through this last year. She, and I've shared this many times. Most of you know, like my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and we spent most of last year going through her treatments. And, and it was it was like a legit nightmare. It was, it was like the hardest thing either of us have ever been through. But I, I say that because, you know, I can't imagine what this guy is going through in this moment. And neither can you, unless maybe you've been through it. I don't know. Maybe you have. But what, what I want to say, and, and again, I'm gonna, I, I say this with love, is you're taking something that is happening for him and making it about you. And the reason you're doing that, and again, I say this with love, but the reason you're doing that is because there is a need here that you want this person to meet that's not being met, right? You want you want to be acknowledged, you want to be validated, you want to get the attention that you're looking for, you want, right, all these things. So there's a need that you have and you're, you're going, I'm here for you. I, I'm like, I'm trying to be supportive. You reached out to me with this information. I want to support you in it. And, and now you're frustrated that he's not getting back to you. Well, you know, a couple of things like one, you've got to acknowledge that maybe you're just not the person in his life that he wants to talk to about this. Maybe he was informing you about what's happening, but maybe you're not the person that he really wants to talk to. Maybe he doesn't feel that he knows you that well. Maybe he doesn't feel that safe or that comfortable with you. Maybe it's because you just don't, like you're just getting to know each other, right? But there's something big happening in his life right now. There's something big, like a Possibly a life-changing diagnosis is happening for him. And he's got a lot of things to sort through and a lot of things to figure out right now. And if you are truly there to be in the relationship in an authentic way, rather than to just get your needs met by this person, 
then the come from isn't so much about why isn't he getting back to me about it? The come from is, okay, he must have a lot going on right now. I understand I'm probably not his first priority. So I'm just wishing him well, hoping he gets the support he needs, and I'm here when he's ready to talk about it. And like this is going to be a big step in growth for you, Stephanie, and for probably a lot of people who are listening right now. And by the way, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not just talking to Stephanie. I'm sure I am talking to a lot of people here because this is what we do in relationships. And this is one of the reasons they don't work out so much for us is because here this person is going through this life-changing thing. And you're thinking, why isn't he texting me about it? And it's about you rather than about him. And when you're in relationship with someone in that way, they can feel that. They can feel that. And, you know, he's, he's probably going like, I just can't deal with that right now would be my guess. He's like, I can't deal with meeting your needs. Like my life could be on the line right now. The only thing I can deal with right now is just staying alive. And I assume the reason he's not responding is because on some level he's felt that you want him to meet these needs for you. And he is just not in a place where he can do it and not in a place where he even wants to give that thought or time or attention. And so the growth would be to really let this be about him to, and, and all, all the time. I mean, and I want to say this too, like it doesn't even matter that he was diagnosed with melanoma really. Like it, it could be, it could be about anything because even, even if let's just say he was away with his friends for the weekend and he wasn't texting you or wasn't responding to your text messages. And you're going like, why isn't he texting me? Why isn't he responding? Is he hooking up with someone else? Is he doing that? Like maybe he's not doing it because he's away at a weekend having fun with his friends. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to deal with having to be present to someone while he's away having a good time with his friends. He just wants to be there having a good time. And instead of giving him the space to go have that time, you're holding like this energetic hold over him going, why aren't you paying attention to me? Why aren't you messaging me? Why aren't you calling me? Why aren't you responding to my messages? And he can feel that. Now, it would be appropriate to say, you know, in the kind of relationship I'm looking for, in the kind of relationship I see myself in long term, I, I, I think that, you know, I would like someone who does make a point to keep in touch when they're away with their friends. Right now, the cancer situation might be a little bit different. I might say, just give him space, wait for him to reach out. You know, he's dealing with a lot right now. But, but in, you know, in a more casual situation, you might recognize like, okay, he doesn't want to be present to me. I'm looking for someone who does have more of a desire to be present, who would like to keep in touch a little bit more. But that doesn't mean there's something wrong with him. That doesn't mean that he should be reaching out to me. That doesn't mean that, you know, anything like that. It just means that maybe this isn't really the kind of, the quality of relationship I'm looking for. 
And so you might naturally start to withdraw your own energy to some degree because it's like, okay, you know, he's not making the kind of effort. He's not showing up. He's not being consistent. He's not being communicative. So I might just start to withdraw my own energy from this relationship because I feel that we're kind of on different pages here. I feel that we're looking for different things. Maybe I feel that our vision for a relationship isn't the same. And you know, when he's back from his trip, if we get the opportunity to talk about it, maybe I would ask him about some of these things and we could see, you know, what, what that we could see if, if we can get on the same page. Like I could be open to that. But for now, I'm just going to withdraw my energy a little bit because I'm not really getting the vibe that I'm looking for here. And, and I know he just needs space to do his thing and I'm not going to try to in, impede on that. Right. So, so yeah, like, like you're making it about you is the problem. And I see Van Henten Yolanda dropped a question and she says, he can feel that the energy. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Like this is, I want to speak into this one because this is so important for everybody. Yes. That energy, that clingy energy of why aren't you calling me? Why aren't you texting me? Where are you? I haven't heard from you. When am I going to hear from you? I'm sitting and waiting around for you to call or for you to text. Can people feel that? Absolutely. They can feel that. People see that coming from a mile away. They, they see it. They feel it in their body. It feels like being trapped. And, and like, look, I'm just... I'm just speaking for myself right now, okay? I'm speaking about how it felt for me when I was dating and I felt it from someone. And I also, I know my clients can feel it because they share it with me. I, I mean, I know you could probably feel it too if you pay attention, but yes, they feel that. And I'm gonna, actually, I wanna, I wanna take this a step further because this is really important. When you bring that energy to a relationship, people feel that. But then there are only two things that are going to happen once somebody feels that. The first thing is that they will just lose interest because they're going like, you know, like, I don't really want to be like, I don't really want to have to work that much. I don't really want to have to meet all of this person's needs. That's the first thing that'll happen. The second thing that'll happen is they will recognize that in you and they will manipulate it. See, the a, a lot of a lot of people don't realize when you when you have that really needy energy or that I'm waiting to hear from you energy, I'm waiting for you to call, I'm waiting for you to text, where are you? Why haven't I heard from you? Like when you bring that energy, you don't really realize you're setting yourself up to be manipulated. Because high value people are going to feel that and they're going to be like, I'm not up for all this. Lower value people are going to feel that and they're going to be like, oh, I've got this person on my hook. Okay. I got this person now. I can call them when I want to. I can drop them when I don't want to. When I call them in the middle of the night, they're going to want to see me and, and they're going to make themselves available for me. They're going to cancel their weekend plans to come hang out with me and I can just pull their strings whenever I want to. So, the, the, the solution, and I'll say is, you know, when, when somebody is not being responsive or somebody is not calling back or not texting back, 
I mean, one, there, there are really two sides to this, okay? There's the side where somebody is just blatantly disregarding you. And then there's the side where somebody is genuinely interested, but they're just not as available as you would like them to be. And you need to know the difference. So it's really important to, to be able to recognize the difference. When you see somebody is blatantly disregarding you, what you want to do is you want to start to withdraw your energy from that relationship. So I'm not going to give it so much thought. I'm not going to give it so much attention. I'm not going to give it so much time. You know, if I'm dating other people, like this person's kind of going to the bottom of the list rather than if they were at the top of the list, right? Uh, you know, I might be open to seeing them again and seeing if something could develop here, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too far out of my way for it, right? So it's kind of like when somebody is disregarding you, disregarding the relationship, you just kind of withdraw your energy from that relationship. Just draw it back into yourself and take, take charge of it. When somebody is actually interested and they're showing all the signs of genuine interest, so they do keep in touch regularly, they do try to plan dates with you regularly, you know, they, they are doing all the things that somebody who wants to get to know you would do. And maybe they have a busy life and they're not always available and they're not always, you know, ready for everything you might want them to be ready for. When that happens, you've got to be able to recognize, okay, this person is making a genuine effort. They are genuinely interested, but they also aren't available as much as I would like them to be. One, you've got to decide if that's okay with you or not, if you can work with it. Two, if you decide it is okay and you can work with it, you, you still withdraw your energy, but not in a way where you detach from the relationship altogether. So, right? So it's like I'm pouring my, I'm pulling my energy back into myself because I just need to focus on other things. I can't be sitting around waiting for their call all the time. They'll get to it when they get to it. But I'm also keeping like an open line of interest in this relationship. So I might pull back my energy a little bit, but I'm not necessarily pulling back my interest. But in either case, it's important to have your own energy within yourself rather than constantly going out to this person. Because when it's going out to this person, it's going to feel like a lot for that person. It's going to feel heavy. It's going to feel needy. It's going to feel like probably more than they can offer. And it's also like, I just, and even if they could offer it long term, it's going to feel like I don't really even know how to offer it because I don't even really know you. And you want so much from me, but we just met, right? So, so there's like, it's like, it's not, even if you would grow into that long term, it's not really appropriate for the stage of relationship that you're at. You know, like now in my relationship with my wife, we've been together going on seven years and you, you know, like it's, it's appropriate for us to kind of know where we are at all times and for us to, you know, if we're doing something like to communicate it to the other person so they know what the plan is, right? Like, you know, that's appropriate for us at this stage of our relationship, but that wasn't always appropriate. There was a time in our relationship where both of us had completely separate lives. We did completely separate things and we both had to be okay with each other having that space. So, so that is, yeah, that is that. And, and I think it's a great question and a great thing to point out is yes, like they, people do feel that. 
And it's, it's not really a good feeling for people when you're just getting to know them. Like when you're, when you're just getting to know someone and I'll, I'll say this too, and this is probably, I'm probably going to wrap up with this. When you're just getting to know someone, the best, the best energy to create with them is that it's safe to leave and it's safe to stay, right? It's, it's like, we are, we are just getting to know each other. And I know we're just getting to know each other. And there's no obligation here. You know, like, yes, I, I expect a certain level of commitment. Like, I expect that you're going to plan dates with me. I expect that, you know, you're going to keep in touch with me. And if you don't, I'm not going to be mad at you for it, but I'm just going to kind of lose interest in the relationship. But there's no obligation here, right? Like, we're, we're getting to know each other. And I am creating an open space for you to get to know me, for you to spend some time with me, for us to have some experiences together. And based on those experiences, to decide if we both mutually want to take the next step into the relationship. That's what you're, that's what you're doing in the first, I would say, three months of getting to know each other, really. Like if you start pushing for strong commitments in that early period of time, like you're, you're in most situations going to push that relationship out of your life. Now, if you naturally grow into it, like, you know, I think my wife and I, after maybe two months, decided to be boyfriend, girlfriend. We, you know, decided to be exclusive just maybe a couple weeks before that, right? So, so it, it's like, we naturally grew into that. There was no resistance on either side. We were just like, yeah, this is what we want. And we naturally grew into it, but neither one of us was pushing for it. And, you know, you got to give it, you got to give it a period of like three months where there's no pushing for anything. And you're just creating an open space to get to know each other. And that person feels free to get to know you without any obligation. And that is the way that they're going to get to see and feel the best qualities from you. And they're going to get to, I mean, that's really where they're going to get to fall in love with you, right? When, when they have the freedom to get to know you and you have, when, when you have the freedom to get to know you and you're not pushing for more than that, that's how they can fall in love. Okay, I, I see I see Stephanie uh, commenting on your earlier thing, and thank you for bringing this back up. Um, we are exclusive in dating for seven months, and we talk every day. Okay, got it. So that that does change the nature of things a little bit. And thank you for clarifying that. So going back to your earlier question, Stephanie, um, I, I would say that he's you know, regardless of of the fact, it, it does change the nature of the relationship a little bit. But regardless of that, I would still say, you know, he shared this with you and he must not feel like he wants to talk to you about it right now. And I can't say his reasons for that. But, but what I'll just say is that give him that space. Let him come to you when he's ready. You know, down the road, when this is not so new anymore, you could ask him, you could say, hey, you know, I'm just wondering, like, why didn't you talk to me all that time? What was like, did you not feel like it was okay to share with me? Or, you know, you could ask him about that later on when this isn't so new. But right now I'm going to say, you got to give him the space. 
if he wanted to go to you with it, he would. And maybe he feels more comfortable going to friends or family, or, or maybe he's not talking about it at all. Maybe he's sitting there and researching and talking to doctors and, you know, maybe he's in like complete survival mode right now, just trying to figure this out. So I, I don't, I don't know, but, but I do know that based on what he's going through, which is a pretty traumatic life event, he has for himself decided that talking to you about it is not the most important thing for him to do right now. And, and I would say, honor that, you know, down the road again, you can ask him about that, but now's not the time. And thank you for clarifying that. That, that is an important clarification. So I appreciate that. Um, all right, everyone, I'm going to close it out with that. Uh, sending lots of love to everybody today. Uh, great questions. It was a, a great chat. I'm glad I got to share uh, what I shared today. Got to tell you a little bit about the program. And I, I do just want to, I know I've said it a few times, but I'll just remind everybody as we're closing. Um, tomorrow, we begin a 10-day countdown uh, for enrollment into the program. Um, at the end of 10 days, we're going to stop taking calls, and that will be the last opportunity. So I just want to encourage everyone, you know, I know you've been talking, excuse me, you've been listening to me talk about it for weeks now. Uh, I'm sure you've been seeing the posts on social media and things like, I really want you to consider like, if this is the right thing for you at this time. And, you know, if you're here, if you resonate with what I share, if you join these conversations every week, um, you know, if this has been powerful for you, then, then the program is going to be an opportunity to really, to really take that to a new level to really have a new experience of it. We're gonna work very closely. We're gonna go through some very deep processes together. Um, and you're gonna have my undivided commitment and attention to, to working with you on this. So I, I just wanna say like, uh, feel into your heart. Feel if this is the right container for you, the right place for you to grow at this time, the right work for you to be doing at this time. And if so, um, you can go to uh, inspiredloveprogram.com. You can apply there. On Instagram, you can go to the link in my bio. You can apply there. Um, but yeah, just sending so much love to everybody. I would really love uh, to have you join me for the program if this is the right thing for you at this time. If you have any questions, you can email me at uh, Shane and Fatima at the living relationship.com or you can just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm, I'm answering uh, all the DMs that come in. And uh, yeah, sending so much love to everyone. So love, blessings. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, for listening on the podcast, those of you who are listening. And uh, we'll see you back here next week, all right? Take care, everybody. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.